I am Andrea Butcher, and this is Being at Work. Being a leader is hard. So on this show, I set out to talk with experienced leaders to learn from their pivotal moments, how they led through the challenges we can all relate to but are often unheard. When you think of progressive, future-focused people strategies, state government probably does not come to mind. But wait until you hear what Brittany Saunders is up to. Brittany is the director of the Indiana State Personnel Department. She was appointed to the position by the governor aligned with his mission of taking Indiana to the next level. Her mission is to transform the employee experience for 30,000 employees statewide. This leadership challenge, as you'll hear, is a daily personal one for Brittany. She is a proud Hoosier and keeps raising her hand to provide people solutions to business problems. Take a listen. Uh, Well, my HR path is a little bit irregular. I don't have a traditional HR background. I kind of consider myself somebody who helps provide people solutions to business problems, um, which is not always how you would think of an HR person, maybe. I spent 10 years at Starbucks, actually, where I learned how business objectives are met by putting people-related solutions first. They, you know, sort of brand themselves as that. And I gravitated towards projects that were more along the lines of organizational development. Um, so I loved my time there. It was wonderful. And I was recruited to a training role at the state in 2013. When I took that role, I just progressively moved into talent management-related positions over the next four years uh, until I reached my current role. And in 2017, Governor Holcomb appointed me as the Indiana State Personnel Director. Kind of a funny traditional name, which is ironic because I'm not a traditional HR person. It's basically the CHRO of the executive branch of state of Indiana government. Uh, So I head up the Centralized Human Resources Agency, which covers about 30,000 employees statewide across approximately 74 unique business units. So based on my background, I'm really passionate about driving business results through people-related solutions, providing great customer service that always comes from a place of yes when we can instead of starting with a no and enabling a, a great, incredible employee experience for both my team and the employees that we serve. And of course, I'm really passionate about providing HR in a public service environment because when we do a good job at that, we provide better service to all Hoosiers. So much there I want to dive into, but but I want to start with the transition from Starbucks to the state. <laughs> so progressive, trendy, when I think of Starbucks, to the state, government, traditional, not as progressive. So what was that like making that transition? Honestly, it was tough. I have joked with a few people that have sort of similar starting stories as me that from my first week, I was that person that was like, we're going to do it all, you guys. We're going to make everything awesome. And we're just going to do every single thing (laughs) that we've ever wanted to do here. And I don't think that I've lost that feeling and that spark, but I have figured out how to do that in a better way. (laughs) Um, But yeah, it was hard. I mean, I think that if you care about what public service looks like in your community, and I think most of us do, I mean, we we pay for it, right? Then you want it to do great. I mean, and I I don't know that I, I would have seen that part of passion for me before I joined the state, but once I did, it was 
just locked in. Like, this is the best place to make great of all because I can make such a difference for all these Because of the opportunities that existed. Right. How, what would you say were some of the things that led you to be successful? I love when people talk about what has made them successful. I also love when they talk about what they learned was not successful because I think that's also a way to answer that question. I will tell you one thing that comes to mind is more along those lines. I mean, I have learned to be a way better listener over the last six years. And I have learned to appreciate the hard work that has come before me. It's really easy to walk into a place and say, hey, I've got all these great ideas and let's go do them. But it's harder to see what has been done before you and to appreciate the privilege that you have to, you know, make this amazing, fun stuff happen because of the hard work that came before you. So that's one thing, um, you know, that I didn't always do well here, um, but that I've learned um, how to do better. And I think that that's helped make me successful. Another thing is just staying curious. I mean, it's a really trendy thing to say, you know, to have a genuine sense of curiosity. But I think that is absolutely true. Um, it's really hard to actually do that um, at times because it may lead you down paths that you didn't want to go down or to conclusions you didn't want. But um, I think that served me well. And then the last thing is is being okay with having a very loving sense of conflict, which sounds like an oxymoron, but I I have a guilty pleasure for being able to ask the question that I actually want to ask and not feeling like I can't have the, the right conversation at the right time. And so I've practiced that a lot. Um, and that's hard because in government, especially, and I think this goes with other organizations, you know, you've got people that have, have done it this way for a while. And there's probably a lot of good reason why they've done it that way for a while. And you've got this other group of people who say, well, we don't have to keep doing it that way. And let's think of all these innovative ways to do things differently. And those perspectives are actually really important. So if you can figure out how to marry those up, then you have the best of both worlds. You learn from from the past and you're able to make an educated decision on how to be innovative from there. So it's a lot of listening, curious, and then not being afraid to have tough conversations because you're driving change. So we know conflict is going to be a part of that. Yep. So you approach you approach human resources from such a strategic perspective, people solutions to business problems. And no doubt that's been a big part of your success as well. You know, I'm curious about how that plays out in a traditional government organization. Give us an example of how you partner with business leaders. Well, I guess let me start by saying to address sort of, you know, what's the value in approaching HR from a a non-traditional place? I mean, I think HR is still trying to figure itself out, in my opinion. Again, I'm not a career HR person, but it does seem like the HR industry has evolved a ton over the last 20 years. They continue to evolve, moving from compliance-based HR to sort of this strategic talent management way of doing business. It's a big swing. And I think at our core, HR professionals are trying to understand what the human experience is so that we can help people be their best when they're at work and we can deliver the best results possible. But obviously, understanding how to lead humans is complex and challenging. So my team's primary mission right now uh, is to transform the employee experience at the state. And so for us, that means a roadmap full of all kinds of activities um, that would help us do that, like you know, putting in place new tech solutions, freeing up our HR teams from transactional redundancy, 
becoming more data-driven, modernizing policy, embedding tools to enhance the manager-employee relationship. But honestly, when I was preparing notes for this, I, I wrote that part down and I thought, that is so many buzzwords, <laughs> um, which is another thing. I hate talking like that. And so I would tell you actually that at the end of the day, I think what I'm asking my team to do right now is to position people to be their best version of themselves every day. And so what that looks like in practice is, you know, us enabling that manager and employee relationship to be something it's not been before. You know, you think about how much time we spend at work and how much time we spend with our bosses. And that relationship has a huge impact on us. Um, it can either be inspiring or transactional. You know, we talk a lot about uh, fulfillment in the workplace. You know, how do we get people to feel fulfilled? And I have to go back to that that ability for managers to successfully pull out a sense of curiosity and potential from the people that they lead. And just to be honest, that's super, super hard. I mean, when people talk about their favorite bosses, you know, they talk about people that show them appreciation, that encourage them, that challenge them. And not everyone has that skill set that's a, that's a boss. And so one of the least things that, that my team and I can do is um, provide solutions um, through our technology that allow them to engage with their employees differently and more frequently. So one example of that, for instance, is our new performance management system that we are in the process of implementing. One of the complaints that we've heard a lot is it feels like sort of a one-and-done activity. Now, you set your goals at the beginning of the year, you do an evaluation at the end of the year, and you have all this time in between where so much has happened, and maybe your boss did a good job capturing your progress, and maybe they didn't. And um, the new tool that, that we're rolling out to managers to leverage is, you know, imagine sort of a, imagine like a social media comment stream. You know, you've got people, um, so minus the drama, right? <laughs> Let's pretend it's a nice comment stream. But uh, you've got, you know, somebody that's saying something, somebody that's commenting back, and you can see the whole conversation, right? But it's such a simple thing. But what if instead of requiring managers to have this in-person meeting, and taking time out with travel and arranging all that, what if um, the employee is able to just come to an agreement with their manager that once a week they're going to log in and they're going to comment on their goals and where they're at, and the manager is going to reply back, and they have this captured dialogue that is already ready to go um, as they're you know putting together their evaluation and having coaching conversations throughout the year. So that's just a really simple tool. Um, but, you know, again, at the end of the day, we have to make sure that we train people how to use that tool best. I mean, technology is as good as its user. So if managers don't understand, one, that their relationship with their employee matters, and two, how they can leverage technology in ways that will allow them to bridge that relationship in really great ways, then they really can reach, you know, a better level of potential from their employees. And, you know, back to the comment I made before, you know, a lot of us want to have curious conversations, but we don't like where they go sometimes because, you know, if a manager has a really great, powerful, curious conversation with an employee, that can mean they leave that job, right? It can mean they leave the organization, they can leave the workforce entirely, they could change careers. But, man, what a powerful, amazing thing for someone to be able to follow the path that will allow them to to be at their best potential. And that's really what we want people to be able to do there. So back to your mission of helping employees be their best, be the best version of themselves. 
It's a really good example of that. So the you mentioned earlier, Brittany, that the the scope of this is thirty thousand employees statewide. And so, you know, I was going to ask, how do you scale transforming the employee experience with that many individuals? And so it sounds like this tool is one example of how you're equipping leaders to improve the employee experience. How have leaders responded to that? And tell us a little more about how you're equipping leaders to help. So we, we haven't rolled out the tool yet where, you know, that's, like you said, one grain of sand in, in the whole system um, transformation. But what we're doing is we're bringing people to the table to make those configuration decisions with us about what should the future state employee experience look like. So, like I mentioned earlier, we have about 74 unique business units and we have identified sort of like an ombudsman for each one of those agencies or a lead. And in a lot of cases, it's, you know, a thought leader from that agency that is very engaged with the employee experience and understands what right can look like. And we've brought them to the table and we've said, hey, if we had um, a magic wand today and we could we could create the perfect employee experience foundation possible, what, the, what would that look like for you? And let's not even think about all the rules and restrictions that may be out there. Let's define that first and then let's go slowly through that and, and try to get as close to that as we can. And I don't know that we've done that before here. And it's sort of, it's been a powerful exercise because, you know, we've heard opinions from people we may not have ever heard and they've been able to influence the decision that, you know, HR is making, which prevents us from working in a silo. So that's been an awesome experience. We're actually putting into place five new system modules, which will impact different elements of the employee life cycle. And so we've asked for um, that type of uh, contribution and activity and feedback from all of those business units the entire way, and we'll continue to do so. We've only implemented one of the five modules so far. We have a long way to go, but that initial relationship building has just been really powerful. Yeah, that's great. What kind of response are you getting from folks? You know, it's interesting. I I see that there's a hunger there to give us their opinion on what the employee experience should look like. And you know, we saw a lot of that, especially with the first module. We're moving into the second one. And we found that also it's kind of a, a draining experience for people. So we've had to continue to identify new thought leaders to sort of tag out, you know, and, and come participate because we are asking a lot from these folks. It's not just a, hey, show up and, you know, we'll tick the box that your business unit showed up. I mean, you're really, <laughs> you're really participating and it can be tough. But what that's done is it's really, you know, spread out our network of influencers. So, you know, I, I like to think, I, I think that we are, we are Seeing where that type of engagement and ownership in the process is creating a, a better employee experience on its own because people have to say in what's happening. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, just by engaging them, you're getting them more involved in their experience. So you are doing, I mean, you've given us a couple of examples of things you're doing to impact the employee experience. And those sound pretty progressive. So tell us about the name of your department. You alluded to this earlier when you kind of made a joke about state personnel department. 
there, you know, you know, there's there's such a trend these days of HR leaders renaming their functions, the people function or the talent function. What what do you think about the name of your function? Oh yeah, I'm hanging out here as the state personnel director, right? <laughs> um, yeah, so I would love to change it. I mean, just to something you know a little bit more um, easily identifiable. I mean, you know, like. Uh, the chief human resources officer or the human resources department, not looking for anything fancy. For me, it's unique because it's literally written in Indiana code. So I have to go through a legislative process to change it. But it is funny because right now my team is identifying itself as, um, you know, going through this huge modernization process. I mean, we're rethinking everything. Every time that we go to, you know, impact a different part of the employee life cycle, then we're sitting in a room and we're saying, okay, what are the policies that are um, a part of this uh, piece of the employee life cycle and do those still work? I mean, so we're uncovering lots of things, you know, every single time that we tackle a new element. And it's just funny, you know, I mean, we have this kind of old school name and I don't know that people, um, you know, that aren't in, in government know <laughs> what I do or what my team does, but, um, you know, that's not really important to me today. <laughs> Yeah, that, I was just going to ask, how important do you think the name is? The employee experience that we're creating is the most important thing. And I don't know that employees care what we're named. <laughs> you know, I mean, at the end of the day, I care a little bit. I'd love to see it change. But I mean, it would be sort of egotistical to think that anyone else besides me and my immediate team really cares. <laughs> it's more about the experience that you're creating than it is about what you are called. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And so that's where you're putting your energy on, on the employee experience. So what about, what about other senior leaders in the organization? I I suspect through relationship building and partnering with them that they're bought in and engaged with the changes you're driving. Tell us about that. Yeah, I think so. Um, And I think, you know, most of, of the stakeholders and leaders that I work with, you know, they have a flavor and a kind of an idea of, of what the vision is. Um, and we continue to, to try to communicate that as best as possible. But it's kind of like, you know, HR gets it. Um, and we keep trying to get everybody else to see what, what we see as the possibility. But there are a lot of really progressive leaders here that I work with who have come to state government because they want to make a difference. And, and so there is. There, there's, a, there's a good community of people here that are really progressive and modern. You know, the, the governor um, appointed me in this position. And that is an amazing that, that is an amazing opportunity. And I know that a, a priority of his was to also surround himself with people who could, um, in his words, you know, take Indiana to the next level. And that does require a lot of out of the box thinking and people being open to new ideas. So, um, you know, culturally, the, the tone for what I'm trying to do has, has already been set at the top, which is helpful. And just like with any change, I mean, you kind of commit yourself to being curious again and innovative and, you know, driving positive change. But every time you go to do that, it doesn't matter because it's hard. Actually working those changes out is hard because you don't always anticipate what it's going to take to do that or what behaviors of your own have to change in order to get there. And, and so I think we're in a really supportive place to get this work done, but it just takes a lot of time, you know, talking through what needs to change and trying to figure out, you know, where's the line where I no longer can allow you to, um, you know, not, not want to change, 
And I just, I need you to step up and I need you to, you know, make the decision to get in the boat with us or, you know, uh, figure out what else you want to do. I think that's a natural part of change. It's a conversation, you know, that doesn't come up all the time, but it's, it's part of it. When you're transforming a huge service or business or, um, you know, fill in the blank, big change, then not everybody is always going to want to do what you want to do. So it goes back to listening, you know, appreciating what other people have done before, trying to learn, being curious, you know, all the things that we've done. Yeah. And it's a, it sounds like it's a daily personal challenge for you. I mean, it sounds like there's a clear why in this for you, Brittany. I mean, I can only imagine how that must have felt when the governor, you know, asked you to take this position. That must have been a huge honor for you. And what a great opportunity. I love telling people that I'm such a wild card in this job because I love showing other people that they can do whatever they want to do. <laughs> if they raise their hand and put themselves out there, then they can do it. You know, I, I do think that I have worked hard and am really passionate about making things better in whatever work environment I'm in. But also every single time I raised my hand and said, hey, I think I can do that for you. Hey, I think I can do that for you. Hey, I have some good ideas for that. And so you just got to keep raising your hand. You know, I'm, I'm so honored to be in this position and I am thankful every day. And it's hard. It's, it's hard work. And it, I appreciate, you know, people that are working in environments where there is just a huge reward for all that persistence and that grit. But it doesn't mean that every day is easy by any means. I mean, I've had, you know, my fair share of days uh, that have, you know, been really tough. And um, people don't talk about those enough, you know, especially in, in forums like this, because you really, you know, question, am I the right person to be in the job? And am I in the right, am I here at the right time? But uh, again, that's just part of the journey, you know? It is part of the journey, isn't it? And I mean, and that is the, that's the spirit of this podcast is, and one of the reasons I asked you to be a guest is because you are leaning into challenge every single day and taking it on. And I love, I love your attitude. You know, earlier you said, I come from a place of yes. So is that, tell us a little bit more about that. Is that who you are as a leader? Has that developed? Are you intentional about that? Like, where does that, where does that positive attitude come from that keeps you in the game? I think it's twofold. One is just the core of, you know, having such a, a strong, coming from such a strong customer service background. You know, it just, it doesn't make sense to work with people and to keep saying no all the time. <laughs> it just does not make sense. But um, I know that sometimes we have to figure out how to get to saying no, if it's the right thing to do. But here's the thing. I, I, I think at its core, it comes back to wanting to bring out the best in the people around you and to get the, the maximum potential from the people around you. And the easiest way to shut down an idea faucet is to say no. People have ideas all the time. And that's where innovation is born. And the quickest way you can get rid of that is by saying no. So instead of saying no, figure out what can be. So let me let me listen to what you're telling me again. And let me hear that differently so that maybe we can figure out a way to get there. It doesn't have to be a no. It can be a, okay, let's figure this out. And so I think that's something that my team and I are, are really trying to practice as often as possible. You know, government is known for regulation, right? Uh, red tape, right? Bureaucratic. Um, and some of that may be true, but 
you don't have to approach the work like that. And you don't have to sit in meetings and just accept what you're hearing. You can challenge those thoughts and learn and be curious. And it takes grit, but you really can make changes happen if you prepare. Well, and no doubt you are through all of that. You are helping to take Indiana to the next level. So thank you for all the, for the grit, for the determination, for showing up every day, doing what you can to make a difference. Hey, I appreciate it. I'll pass the thanks along to my team who probably deserves it most. <laughs> yes. No, and please do so. You, no <laughs> doubt you are, you know, and how, how do you tell us, how do you keep them engaged? I think that we have, um, we've talked a lot about mission. We've talked a lot about why here. And I've not outright asked my employees this, but I want to think that they know that I want them to feel like, like they relate to the mission. We spend a lot of time. I mean, every quarterly all staff meeting, I have about 200 people that are part of my HR team and we meet once a quarter and every part of, of those meetings um, or every one of those meetings, there's a portion of it that talks about mission and values and the activity that we've had from one quarter to the next and how they relate back to that. So it really is a constant practice. And, you know, it comes with checking yourself in meetings, too, you know, if we're not aligned. But I think because we all know what we're working towards, which, again, is that, you know, transformation of what the best possible employee experience would be, which would inevitably result in the best possible service to Hoosiers. I mean, we have people that have been able to get behind that. Um, and we look for people that want to get behind that. And that's not always easy to find those folks. But it's a continued practice. I think there's a book called Resonant Leadership out there. And I only remember that because I remember a couple times in my career where, um, you know, we all go in bell curves um, where we feel really, really engaged or where we feel like complete failures. And I think that's natural. But the whole point is how to get out of that bell curve that you know that bottom feeling place that everyone inevitably gets in at some point and again I don't think we talk about that enough in the leadership forum but you know everybody goes through that so if we can create a work environment and a place where it's okay to talk through those things it's okay to acknowledge you know being truthful isn't a dirty word um, then I think you really can appreciate what the human experience is like in the workplace and people can feel more comfortable growing with you because it's a lot more authentic. Yeah, and you keep raising your hand through it all, even in the midst of the challenge and the uncertainty and the doubt. You keep raising your hand. That's my big takeaway from our conversation is through it all, regardless of the environment or the situation, just keep raising your hand and look for opportunities to help, opportunities to serve. Yep, everybody can. No doubt. Brittany, thank you so much for being a part of our conversation today. If our listeners want to connect with you, what's the best way to do that? Definitely through LinkedIn. Um, I would love that. I love meeting new people, hearing new ideas. That would be great. Great. Thanks so much for being here. Thanks a lot, Andrea. I appreciate the invite. Thank you for joining us for this episode. Please subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast to never miss a being at work story.